Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com and ADC Media, producers of fine Catholic programming like Light of the East, and supplier of imaging, underwriting announcements, and promos for Catholic podcasts and radio stations. Inquire at ADC Media 128 at Outlook.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. I want to acknowledge a listener who sent me a very, very touching letter. His name is Andrew. He's from Ocala, Florida, although he says he's a retired New Yorker living in Florida. I want to thank you, Andrew, for your prayerful support of us here at Light of the East, especially for listening. It's always most important to us. We love hearing from you, but especially we like to know that you're listening. We really appreciate that. And he said that the one program that we did on humility was especially something he needed and fortunately recorded it and will keep it. Wow, now that's impressive to think, think that you would record our program and keep it. And maybe, I suspect, Andrew, you just might be passing it on to certain people in your life (laughs) who may need the message. (laughs) And he said, just to let you know, I am a Roman Catholic. I attend Mass daily, receive communion, and say rosary every day. Wow, that's admirable. And I hope, Andrew, that when you are at Mass and we are saying a rosary every day. I hope that you will keep us here in your prayers, here at Light of the East. Keep us in your prayers as we pray for all of you. And speaking of daily Mass, receiving the Holy Communion, saying a rosary, many times I'm asked as an Eastern Catholic priest, in particular a Byzantine Catholic priest, if we have such devotions in the Byzantine Rite or in the Eastern Churches, and do we do them in the same way with the same frequency as the Latin Rite? This way I'm referring to daily Eucharist, daily Mass, and the Rosary. Well, to answer the question, it's not a yes or no question. It's always, of course, more nuanced and complex, especially Eastern Churches are always very nuanced and complex. (laughs) That's part of our charm, part of our genius. I'll answer the question this way. In terms of daily Mass, a lot of times people will say, do you have Mass every day at your church? And I 
First of all, I respond by saying, well, we call our Mass liturgy or divine liturgy. It is the Eucharistic liturgy, just like in the Latin rite, but we call it divine liturgy. And liturgy means work or action of the people. It has a, a nuance of something public that, that a lot of people come together and do public works or the action of the public, the people. It has that kind of meaning to it. It's always challenging to take a word that has maybe a Greek or Latin root and, and find an exact English translation for it. Sometimes we can make it, sometimes not, but you come close. But I think you get the idea. And that says a lot because the liturgy is the work of the people, so it's going to be very public. It has to be. It has to involve people, groups. So in the Eastern churches, in general, we really don't do what we might call private masses, in other words, a priest by himself. Yes, it does happen, but it especially happened when the priests were in prison during communist oppression, when our church was oppressed by the communists and the priests were in prison and people would sneak bread and wine to them and they would have liturgy in the prisons and in the, the gulags and the camps of Siberia where these priests Eventually, many of them died from the maltreatment. If they were together and they knew that they were priests, sometimes they would, they would do things like a priest would lay down on his back and his chest would become the altar. And they would secretly celebrate liturgy on the priest's chest. Can you imagine that? And people would sneak them, you know, wine made from prunes or grapes or whatever they could from the fields and also bread. But they had to sneak it in. It had to look like something else. Somehow they were able to do it. But other than those special circumstances, the liturgy in the Eastern churches is designed to be very public. In fact, all the prayer in the Eastern churches is actually designed to be liturgical. In other words, as a group or very public. Yes, we do have private prayer, but we don't have private devotions per se. However, some of our devotions can be said privately. I never do the divine liturgy privately, but I do the divine office privately although it is designed to be done liturgically. The divine office is something that Eastern priests can do privately, in other words, on their own, not necessarily privately in a literal sense, but on their own, by themselves. And they should. They should be praying throughout the day with the prayer of the church, the divine office. However, ideally, they're designed to be prayed with a group or in the church publicly. So the in the Eastern churches, we generally don't have liturgy where the priest is by himself. He generally needs somebody else. Another reason for that is very, very practical. The liturgy in the Eastern churches is designed as a almost like a kind of a dialogue between the priest and the people. The priest intones something that people respond. And this response is led by a cantor or a choirs, which sing and chant the responses in the particular indigenous chant of that respective Eastern church. So, for example, in my church, the byzantine Ruthenian church, we have what's called plain chant. It's an ancient chant from the Slavic region, influenced by the Greek tones, and the cantor leads those chants, and the people sing along. The cantor is there to lead. He's not there to solo, though sometimes he ends up soloing whenever some of the chants are a little bit complex, especially in the high holy days. But basically, he's there to lead the people. Remember, liturgy means public works. The people roll up their sleeves and they get to work. Liturgy is not a passive thing. Neither is the Mass. There are passive moments in it, more so in the Latin Rite liturgy than in the Byzantine liturgy. However, basically, East and West, the Mass or liturgy is where the people get to work. 
and throw themselves into that liturgy. The person that gets to be passive, although he's not, he's acting in the liturgy, in the Eucharist, is God. But at the same time, he, although he's passive, he's also acting. But by and large, it's we who are to be acting. Roll up the sleeves and get into this mass of liturgy. Don't be passive. It's not a spectator sport, east or west. So in the eastern churches, we want a group of people. We need more than one because someone has to sing the responses. The priest can't really sing to himself, although sometimes it happens, they do it. But by and large, it doesn't work that well. It's not designed that way. So that brings us to the next question. Do we have liturgy in the Eastern churches every day? In other words, do we have what the Latin rite would call daily mass? Well, it depends on the parish and the priest, the priest schedule and the availability of people to come to liturgy. Many Eastern rite parishes have people that come each day or can come each day, and they are capable of cantering, at least the basic parts of the liturgy. You don't have to be a full-fledged cantor to have the liturgy. It's ideal if you do, when that usually happens on Sunday, of course. But on the daily liturgy in Eastern Rite parishes, many of the people know how to sing the responses back to the priest. However, when it comes to some of the propers, you know, the specific chants of the day, which are generally a little more complex and not as well known as the standard parts, oftentimes the priest will just lead that himself. Sometimes the people know it, but most of the time the priest will lead it himself and the people will know the rest of the liturgy enough to act as cantors. So when that is the situation in an Eastern church, it's a wonderful situation, yes, the priest can and does often have daily liturgy. However, that's not always the case. It's, in fact, it's probably more common that in most Eastern parishes, both Orthodox and Eastern Catholic, that there is not liturgy every day. Now, to a Latin Rite person, with their great reverence for the Eucharist and their emphasis on daily communion, which is wonderful, very advisable, very good, even the saints talk about that, this may sound a little bit strange, perhaps even puzzling. Why and how can we not have Eucharist every day? Well, here we come to a little bit of that difference between East and West. But again, arriving at the same point, both East and West see the Eucharist with the same kind of reverence. It's just how we approach it is the beautiful part about it. In the Western Church, the frequency of communion is part of that reverence for the Eucharist, that sense of its vitalness, its urgency for our lives day to day, our daily bread. And that is in the Eastern churches as well. However, the Eastern churches also take a little bit of a different approach in the sense that the liturgy becomes something like a wedding. It's a big deal in the Eastern churches. In fact, in one of our monasteries, which I highly advise you to go and visit, Holy Resurrection Monastery in Nazians, Wisconsin, the monks there do the divine office so thoroughly that if they did liturgy as well every day, they told me they would never get out of that chapel. <laughs> so they do liturgy about three times a week, if I'm not mistaken. Not because they're slack about it, but actually the opposite, because it's such a big deal. It's like planning a great wedding leading up to a great wedding. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the differences between East and West when it comes to daily communion and daily liturgy. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, 
we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Pope John Paul II once said, Humanity, its dignity, and its balance, at every moment and on every place on earth, will depend upon who he is for her and who she is for him. I am Father Thomas Loya with a Theology of the Body moment for the Tabor Life Institute. Why are we a man? Why are we a woman? Unless we know the why, we do not know the how to be man or a woman, and therefore we do not know how to really be for each other. The why behind being a man or woman is told in the theology of our gendered bodies. Our bodies speak a language. Gender reveals God. Through gender, we can actually participate in the way that God loves us. We can love as God loves. Human sexuality is an icon of the very interior life of the Holy Trinity. To find out more about the theology of the body, visit TaborLife.org. TaborLife.org. You're, you're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loyup and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R, life, at earthlink.net. To help support Tabor Life's ministry, go to taborlife.org and click on the Donate tab. Tabor Life is a 5013C charitable organization. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. Again, I want to acknowledge one of our listeners, Andrew from Ocala, Florida, sending us a, a beautiful letter. And in his letter, giving us the theme for today's radio program. How's that for thanking you for your beautiful letter, Andrew, and your faithfulness as a listener here? And also, your faithfulness as a Roman Catholic, attending Mass every day, receiving Holy Communion, saying a rosary every day. Now, that's exemplary. That's incredible. That's wonderful. But we're talking about how or if that happens in the Eastern churches. So we already said that it's not always possible to have daily liturgy in Eastern parishes or even in some Eastern monasteries because of the approach to liturgy. As I mentioned before the break, think of it as a wedding. So when you plan a wedding, and you don't do a wedding every day, you sort of lead up to it. And there's the aftermath of it too. The wedding is that kind of that climactic moment. So that's a little bit the way that the Eastern churches approach liturgy. Yes, we can and we do have liturgy every day if it's possible, but it's not always possible. And when it's not possible, that that's okay because there is this spirituality in the Eastern churches of seeing Eucharist or seeing the liturgy as a moment that we build up to 
Again, it's like a wedding, like planning a wedding, all the excitement, all the buildup to it. And the buildup to it is from the divine office, from the morning prayer and the vespers, which is the evening prayer, and the hours. If you're going to do them all, they would be at 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m. So you're praying quite a bit during the day. Think about it. You start off with matins, then you go into the first hour, third hour, sixth hour, ninth hour, then comes Vespers. After Vespers comes Compline. By that time, it's time to go to bed. In fact, that's usually the last service at the monastery. And some monasteries, though, which have liturgy 24-7, will go into yet another service after Compline, which then will eventually bring them back to the next morning. Matins all over again. The cycle continues. These monasteries, they're rare, but they are part of the Eastern tradition. And they're called non-sleeping monasteries. I mean, Let's face it, the monks have to take shifts, but they keep prayer going constantly. See, unceasing prayer is a very big concept in Eastern spirituality because we see ourselves taking the place along with the angels in heaven in the ongoing, eternal, ceaseless liturgy in heaven, the ongoing praises and glorification of God in heaven. We really see ourselves as participating in that ongoingness, that timelessness, that ceaselessness. And this is why in some monasteries, it literally is unceasing prayer. Other monasteries in the Eastern churches have something very close to that. So the monks are very busy. And you know, that's actually a lot of hard work. That is their work as monks. Everybody has to work somehow, some way. And for the monks, as wonderful and beautiful as prayer is, it's, it's pretty grueling. At Holy Resurrection Monastery, they, they get up early. They start matins about 5.30 in the morning, and it goes for about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, and that's just the morning prayer. Then they have the rest of their prayers throughout the day. So they're pretty serious about prayer. And to hold that regimen every day, just imagine that. How consistent are you in your prayers? And how long are they? You know, that's a challenge. It can be a challenge. These, these monks, though, do this every day, seven days a week, and they add liturgy to that at least three days a week, at least in Holy Resurrection Monastery. And again, I advise you to go visit them. They're in the town named after a Byzantine saint. How about that? St. Gregory Nanzians. It's called the town of Nanzians in Wisconsin, Holy Resurrection Monastery. So the daily liturgy is not always possible, but that's not because of any disrespect or lessening of the sense of Eucharist, because... What follows from that is this sense of the liturgy being like a great event, a wedding that you build up to through the divine office. Now, as far as the rosary, people ask me, is the rosary said in the Eastern churches? The rosary is considered in Eastern churches a private devotion. As I mentioned, most of the liturgical prayer in the Eastern churches is just that. Most of the prayer is designed to be done liturgically, in other words, as a community, although certain parts of the divine office can be done so-called privately. But yet they're still designed, even though you do them privately, they're still designed to be done publicly. The rosary is seen in the Eastern churches as a private devotion. However, it is actually very popular among many Eastern Catholics. It is similar to a custom in the Eastern churches called the Chatki or the Jesus Prayer, where it's a prayer rope with knots on it. You can call it beads. Sometimes it is beads. Traditionally, it is knots made out of a single cord, and this cord is woven into these knots, which are like rosary beads. On these knots is said the Jesus prayer. Very simple. It's a paraphrase from Scripture. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Very simple. Prayer said to Jesus. 
here and there in the prayer, you can interrupt the string of Jesus' prayers by saying something like, for instance, Most Holy Mother of God, save us. But by and large, it's a Jesus prayer. It's a prayer to Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's similar to the rosary in that sense, in that it's a repetitive prayer that uses a rope with beads or knots. What's interesting, at the end of this prayer rope is a cross, again, made of that single cord. And the end of the cross, the cord is frayed. And the symbolism of that is that fraying is used as a little kind of a mini towel or a little brush to kind of wipe your face, wipe the tears of repentance that you should be shedding by saying the Jesus prayer. In fact, in the Eastern churches, one of the signs of a very holy person was they would have what's called the gift of tears. They would cry, they would lament their sinfulness before such a marvelous, wonderful God that they would actually shed tears for their own sinfulness. And the sinfulness on behalf and on the part of other people as well. So they would dry their tears with the frayed end of the cord that's shaped as a cross as they prayed the repentant prayer of the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. But the rosary is still done by many Eastern Catholics as a private devotion. In some churches, it's actually done publicly. There's oftentimes a rosary society, usually made up of women, but not exclusively. And they would get together and they would pray the rosary together. Oftentimes, it was done before or after the liturgy, or it could be done at any time during the week, different kinds of occasions. But usually, there was a rosary society. There was always a group of women, mostly, not exclusively, but mostly women, who were very dedicated to saying the rosary in Eastern churches. What's interesting about the rosary, and here we have one of these examples of how East and West converge. It actually has a very Eastern flavor to it because it's repetitious. It does have a penitential dimension to it, but it also has mysteries to it. And boy, don't we love mystery in the Eastern churches. In fact, they're actually called mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries, the glorious mysteries. And mysteries mean something revealed and something hidden. So the rosary meditates upon these aspects of the life of Christ and the Virgin Mary, which really are mysteries. I mean, let's face it, how can we possibly comprehend the birth of Jesus Christ, an infinite God who makes himself contained within the womb, the finite womb, the finite body of a human being, a virgin, while still remaining the infinite God? How could you really understand that? We believe it. We understand it to an extent. But it always, at the same time, lies beyond us. Same thing with this crucifixion. Same thing with the different events in the life of Christ and the Virgin Mary. There is an earthly narrative to these events, but they also have an eternal or heavenly dimension to them. So they're mysteries. And we love mystery in the Eastern churches. So the rosary actually has a very Eastern flavor to it. In fact, St. Seraphim of Serov, a great Russian saint, developed what is actually an Eastern rosary. He actually used mysteries. Yes, that's right. We actually There is such a thing as an Eastern rosary by Seraphim of Serov. But the Eastern church, loving mystery, can certainly understand the value of the rosary. It did not develop per se in the Eastern churches. It doesn't mean that the Eastern churches don't accept or acknowledge it. It's just that it's not officially part of our divine office. But it can be said privately or in groups. And quite frankly, I as a priest, as a Byzantine priest, 
I'm probably about as Byzantine as they come, if I may be so bold. I pray the divine office. I try to adhere to what is the correct liturgical traditions. I'm constantly learning. Even though I'm behind this microphone teaching you about the Eastern churches, I myself am a constant student. It's, it's so much to learn, to immerse ourselves in. However, in spite of that, yes, I, I have a devotion to the rosary, and I highly encourage it to anybody, East or West. You know, when you come down to it, let's face it, there are convergence points between us all, between East and West. And prayer is prayer. A saint is a saint. That's another question I'm often asked. Do you have the same saints as the Latin Rite? Some of them, we do have the same. You and I, as Latin Rite Catholics and Eastern Rite Catholics, you and I both share many of the same saints. At the same time, we have our own saints as well. A saint is a saint. Prayer is prayer. Yes, it could be done in different ways according to different spiritualities, but let's face it, there is a convergence point to all this. And that's why on this radio program, Light of the East, we are committed to sharing the gifts of the church East and West and working towards the unity between the two. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Radio is it's training for the troops. It's a interaural of the ear boot camp. The folks who listen, who grow in their faith, grow in charity, grow in all the virtues, they then go out and exert an influence far beyond just themselves. Catholic radio has an exponential effect for bringing people deeper into the faith. Dr. Ray Garendi thinks Catholic radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!